Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, Delvers? This is Steven, your host with Phantology Podcast. I have my lifelong friend, Ben, here. And we are talking, uh, doing some prep for Defiant, the fourth and final book of Sanderson's Skyward series. Started with Skyward, and then Starside, and then Cytonic. And it's been a while since I personally have read any of these books. I read, uh, I guess, Cytonic came out, what, 2021, a couple years ago? And maybe I reread them, I don't remember. So I'm a little rusty on the details here, but the goal of this podcast is for Ben, who has recently reread the books, to give us a bit of a primer and I'm gonna serve the role of the uh of, of the noob, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I so I recently reread uh Starsight and Cytonic, but not Skyward, just because I remembered Skyward all right, and I remembered that it doesn't really relate to anything that's going to be happening going forward. Like kind of after, you, yeah. after they kind of break out of detritus, you know, we spend a lot of time right. more outside detritus than inside. Weirdly, I remember Skyward as well. Maybe I read it twice and the other ones once or something, but it's also like a pretty straightforward, pretty straightforward. plot, yeah. you know, like battle school, they go and fight the aliens. There's not that much to it. It's like Ender's Game, like Kinda, YA, yeah. more YA. Yeah. But I have not read the kind of the novellas that they've put out. Yeah, I think there might only be one now. There are three. Oh, there's three novellas? Yeah, oh, okay. they're published together in a, in a book. It's called Skyward Flight. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't read those. I'm I'm hoping that... Do, do you know if they've combined them on one into like an Audible or no? I don't know. Because I didn't... It was never worth three credits to me. It, it'll be worth a credit so right right yeah, yeah we'll have to follow up on that i have the i have the physical book that's like published together so if they can do that like hopefully they can just slap the four mp4 files <laughs> together into a into a single audible file i'm sure they could i don't know how much incentive they have to do that <laughs> you know i mean if there's an author who's going to do it, it's probably going to be brandon it's he's like pretty cognizant of trying to give his readers well, stuff i also mean like I know that it's it has like for that series in particular, they have like an exclusive deal with Audible. And so yeah. I'm not sure how mm, willing right. Audible would be to so let them combine three books into one. So who yeah. knows? All right, we'll have to follow up on that. But yeah. yeah, so that may be a little bit of a gap. From what I've heard, those stories are like, th- they're good supplementary knowledge to the world. But I imagine that it's going to be kind of like the, the uh, Stormlight Archive novellas where it's like cool, but you can still read the mainline books just fine yeah just by yeah no i i think i think that's right i also think that i mean we'll get into maybe our critiques of the series but i think that that it it might help resolve some of my critiques of the series overall but yeah Mm -hmm. so overall we're billing this as everything you need to know to get ready to read defiant defiant and 
I think with it, a little bit of review because we can't help giving our opinion on these things. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give an opinion for books that I don't even remember. <laughs> there you go. If you want to hear that, keep on listening. Okay. So we get to jump into an ad break and then, and then start. Yep. Ads coming now. And now we will continue. So Skyward. Let's do a brief recap. We both kind of remember this one. We're probably not going to have the same level of detail as books two and three since you recently read those. But Uh from what I remember, I mean, Spencer is kind of the, you know, outcast kid. Her her dad had that weird history and she goes through this journey to figure out that her dad was a what what's the term for the people the um it's a cytonic right that's the cytonic, term. yeah 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 but she doesn't okay. really know this to start with and all she knows is that her dad was a traitor right that he ended up killing a bunch of members right. of his own flight right so she is kept out of school for a while and then she gets in with help from the grizzled schoolmaster guy cop right he's like the yeah. flight instructor and he was previously friends with her dad yeah, I think that they were like wing partners or whatever. Okay. And throughout the course of this, she makes friends with the other kids and some of them die, but then there's like a core group that continues on. And one of them is Jorgen, who becomes the, like not in this book, but later on, he kind of becomes the will they, won't they romantic interest. I think I think a little bit in this book too. I think for sure in this book. I think at the okay. beginning, yeah, by the mm. beginning of, Starsight, they she already feels bad about leaving him. Okay. Yeah. So I think for sure in this book. Also, we should point out that we're gonna do spoilers, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully people know there's gonna be spoilers yeah, okay. and primer for the fourth book in the series. I could I could just imagine that, you know, first YouTube comment is beware of spoilers. Anyway. Yeah. I think people would get it. I mean, come on, it's on you at some point, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay, so yeah, so we should also point out that um, Spencer, who's this main character, has all these quirks about her, right? She likes to envision herself as a hero of all that she, about stories that she's been told from her grandmother. Mm. She has um, quirky nicknames that she gives everybody. Jorgen's his jerk face. And with a nickname like that, how can you not be the love interest, right? Right, right. And so, and she's just very, very, very much an oddball, right? She talks about wanting to like, beast off of the blood of her enemies or whatever like oh, right. she'll, she'll kind of say these bloodthirsty comments yeah there's definitely a kind of the over top over the top layer of uh brandon sanderson young adult cheesiness that happens yeah exactly it wouldn't be wouldn't be a sanderson ya without that mm-hmm. and then i forget i think it's about halfway through the book she finds this ship that's buried uh in the mountains of detritus or in the, not the mountains, but the caverns. The caverns, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in this tr- uh, ship, she also finds her animal companion, who is Doomslug. The ship, uh, and the, she fixes the ship up with the help of one of her trusty mechanic friends. I forget what his name was. It's like Rig? Is it Rig? Rig, yeah. Yeah, it must be Rig with a name like that. How could it not yeah, be Yeah, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I guess some kind of supplemental knowledge I have about this. Sanderson that said that this is kind of his first use of a dragon right not like a dragon dragon but like he's yeah kind of harnessing kind of his uh dragon lore to put on mbot who's the artificial intelligence in the ship to kind of and kind of like this wise 
mentor that's not exactly human that but that will help her heroin throughout her Mm -hmm. journey so i thought that was pretty cool right like he's he's wanted to put dragons into his books but i i don't remember exactly what he said about this did he say it's like just too cliche there's too many books with dragons so he tries he hasn't done it as much he's like looking for the right opportunities to like make dragons cool and i think he's probably talked about a few times but yeah yeah that i think oh who's the is it Anne? What's her name? Like, there's an Anne author McCaffrey? that's like Anne McCaffrey that's famous for her depiction of dragons, and he said that he's been like incredibly influenced by her, and so she he he hasn't wanted to put dragons in yet because he feels like it would just be lifted um, too much. I think. I think mm-hmm. I remember okay. like a word like him talking about this one time, and so he was wanted to make sure that he has enough of a unique perspective on stuff before he starts throwing dragons into right. his book. And there's going to be dragons and mainline Cosner books. Well, we're not going to do spoilers for that stuff, but right. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine like in the future that will become a bigger thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So she finds a ship and of course that kind of gives her the upper hand and all sorts of battle situations. She's also, you know, you see her training, you see her fail a lot more, a lot more times than she succeeds, but eventually she, and again, this is years ago that, we actually did a review for this book, I think, at one point. So go see our review from like 2019. Do we not? Or did we just I, do it for I don't Star know Sight? if we have a review for Skyward. We definitely have one for Star Sight. And then my sister and I did a review for Cytonic because uh, she okay. was into these books. I don't know if we ever did one for Skyward, to be honest. Okay. Well, it definitely predated Anthology. It's no. like very old. Like these are, I think that Star Sight review might have been like one of our first 10 ever. Yeah. yeah and this sure. is going to be episode like 200. 70 something it's crazy is your sister still reading these books yes uh she will be returning home from her mission and reading the last one i hope like we'll see okay nice so and then also kind of like some words of sanderson doom slug was created by his kids apparently they said that they oh really yeah it's like i think okay and who knows what that means created or whatever but Right, right inspired by so yeah so that's kind of all my uh, external knowledge there but i've really forget exactly what happens but there's battles in the sky all the time with the drones that that the captors are sending down to keep the people in line and then there's i don't i forget what the conflict guys the uh, conflict is at the end that kind of speeds yeah up i think the there's battle. like a final battle where they don't they come with like a special ship that's gonna like destroy the base once and for all you know, basically yeah. Star Wars, and then she's able to go in with Mbot and win somehow. But then she ends up realizing stuff, right? At the she cytonically transports back to uh, Detritus. Yeah, but she goes up like into space and realizes that, like, hey, Detritus is a jail for humans, yeah. and there's aliens circling around, and they're just like here to make sure we don't do anything. Yeah, exactly. And there's some backstory of like the humans were too violent, aggressive. So the aliens like put them there on purpose. I think that we find a lot of that like slowly learn more. Okay. Yeah. We, that's, that's mostly star sight. So I think that that's kind of a good place to end off with skyward. Mm. And I'm sorry, I I didn't reread skyward. So I think we did a decent job for not rereading, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. One thing that I like about this series that starts off right here is I like the the like battle mechanics for yeah uh, you know for all the fighting, and we've seen 
I mean, in books and TV shows and movies, we've seen a lot of different star fights, right? Star fighters since Star Wars. And I think that Sanderson does some cool, unique things. Like, I don't know if they're like super unique, but just the way that it's executed. Like the light lances, I think, right? Where they can spear objects and use that to. Yeah. They have a few fun tools and the whole thing of like they've got the they've got the EMPs that they can use if they get in close, but if they do it and they disable themselves, so they have to all work together to use this ability, but not you know destroy themselves in the meantime. There's some good things like it's basically a magic system that's a sci-fi system. It's not fantasy magic; it's sci-fi magic. And I remember him saying that he interviewed lots of pilots to kind of get the physical feelings down and and mm-hmm. i know that he kind of did his research before starting this so and it seems like a lot of from what i the feeling on like our discord and on reddit like a lot of people really like skyward i've heard a lot of people talk about how it's like one of their favorite female protagonist ya's you know so i don't know i think that skyward was was great i think it holds up really well i've recommended it to a lot of my like nieces and nephews i think mm-hmm. kind of one of my main critiques of the series is that you spend so much time on detritus and you get to know this core group of people that you really come to care about. And then suddenly in the second book, they're just not there anymore. And that's really, I think that that was very jarring for me when I read it and actually caused me to take a pretty long break from the series. Cause I was like, why do I care about, you know, mm. like I, I liked Spencer as part of this like cohesive whole that she's built. Yeah, so I don't know. It was kind of that's kind of one of my criticisms overall. But I also like after finishing Cytonic, you know, we were just trying to get the series, and he couldn't have gotten there if they just stayed on Detritus the whole time. Mm. And in the first book, it's mostly human characters. Well, for, I mean, totally 100% human characters, 100%, except yeah. for except for Mbot, Mbot, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But then you go into books two and three, and there's these alien characters and they're kind of strange alien races and there's like a lot of them and they just yeah. feel kind of strange. They've got funny names. They're not as relatable. And so, yeah, like you say, all of a sudden, yeah, I kind of like the humans and I don't know if I connect with these, these yeah. kind of bizarro things going on. And, and it's kind of like Spencer already did the job of digging herself out of like the, you know, not having a place in society. Right. So she already kind of went through that effort, but I guess we should talk a little bit more about, Starsight, so we can kind of have this discussion yeah, in a more yeah, okay. so way. Rolling into Starsight, then. So at the very beginning of Starsight, we have a ship that crash lands on Detritus, and there's like an alien there named Alanique, and she's human esque, but not not human. Mm-hmm. And in the very beginning of the book, they they're also like trying to make these holograms that are able to dis- disguise the ship, disguise Mbot. And so they say, oh, why can't, why shouldn't we be able to use this hologram, holographic system to disguise Spencer? And so Spencer f- figures out that Alnique was kind of being recruited to the big uh, spaceship that's orbiting the planet. And she decides mm-hmm. that she's going to take her, take her place to go infiltrate their enemies. Does Alnique, does she die or does she survive? No, this? she doesn't die. She's injured, but they, okay. I think you've, you've, it, you find out, I think, either at the end of Starside or being of Cytonic that she that she survived. Okay, so Spence's headed off to Battle School Level Two up here with the aliens disguised as the friendly alien. Yeah, exactly. And she's able to infiltrate them surprisingly easily, right? For whatever reason, but 
But as she's doing this infiltration, she ends up kind of forming a new cohort of people mm-hmm. that she's able to uh, train for battle. And she starts to see these aliens as being human, not human, but like that they're not she just sees like, the, some like humanity characters. in them. Yeah, she sees the humanity in them. Right. And so that kind of throws her off. So some notable people here is you have Braid, who's the other human here that's been adopted right. at an early age and and raised to to be part of the system. And she's told that she's violent, that she'll never have a place in society. And she ends up kind of believing it, right? And Spencer tries to recruit her by revealing herself near the end of the book. And it ends up backfiring on her. And she's a cytonic as well. And mm-hmm. she's pretty powerful, good pilot. Like she's a formidable enemy. Yeah, exactly. So we also meet some high ranking members of the um, superiority, which is the government that's kind of mm-hmm. controls the right. whole entire galaxy. Right. So we have Kuna and we have Winzik. And oh gosh, I'm forgetting which one's which. I think Winzik is the one that's kind of uh, becomes somewhat of an ally and Kuna yeah. is the bad one. Yep. So yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, we'll go with Winzik. So he's a he's a Krell, like the kind of crab like uh, okay. people, right? Is he? Wait, is Winzik bad? Uh, Pretty sure Winzik is good. He might be bad at first, but then he comes around. Or yeah, I don't remember the details. Anyway, I imagine like I don't remember what race they are, but I imagine both of these characters as like the the uh, enemies in Jimmy Neutron. The <laughs> you know. The, the gelatinous yeah. things that are in the that are in the little enclosed hover thing. I don't remember what their race is, but they're like the yeah. goofy enemy leaders, basically. Yeah. Okay. But bottom line is that she has some allies in the government near, by the end of the book. She ends up revealing herself to Win- to Winzik, and he says, "Oh my goodness, I always knew that we could have a relationship with humans. That's awesome." But then Kuna um, still has. So Kuna's main objective if we're getting the names right here, is to try and harness the Delvers. And I guess we've got made it this far without talking about them, but they manifest themselves to Spensa as these like just lights uh, or eyes that she sees when she's traveling cytonically. Mm-hmm. And she learns, I think it's in Starsight, I think it's at the beginning, that they uh, have totally, they were responsible for wiping out detritus because the humans tried to summon them and use them against the superiority and end up consuming the the human planet instead and then they also kind of went on this like juggernaut killing spree across the universe and that mm. they're kind of attracted to cytonics cytonic travel as well as like any radio communication and so this kind of through the um, superiority and the galaxy kind of back not into the dark ages right because they still had technology but they had to kind of mm go radio silent for a long period of time until the Delvers kind of went back into nowhere. Okay. So that's the Delvers. So uh, uh, Kuna's new plan is to basically do what the humans tried to do and use the Delvers to eradicate whoever his enemies might be. And that's kind of what happens at the end of the book. I think he has Braid try to summon or wait, it's it's Braid. Yeah, Braid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she's she does summon a Delver and like she sets it on to Tritus and Spencer comes in just like, no, I'm gonna send you back to what's the name of their platform that they're out there. Oh. And anyway, like the superiority yeah. place. Yeah. 
but then she realizes like hey wait this is going to be really bad for the uh, the human rep- reputation so she just like dismisses it or no she doesn't dismiss it so she like has this interaction with it where she's able to show the delver that they're humans and that they're kind of self-aware and that they're okay. not just these like annoyances and the delver ends mm-hmm. up like listening to her and it's not in in the but well i guess we're since we're treating this all as one recap that delver ends up taking the form of the character like the chet character chet, like the, yeah the, the delver ends up being, explorer yeah, guy in the yeah. next book yeah that delver ends up becoming chet in the next book anyway so she's able to kind of show the delver the humanity and that frightens all the other delvers because we learn that the delvers like are afraid of change they they want to remain consistent constant they don't like change. So they see this as kind of like an existential threat. Mm. So, but that, that all kind of comes later. She's able to, yeah, show the Delver humanity. So the Delver changes course and Spencer saves the day yet again. In the midst of all of that, she makes friends with all these people, all these superiority fighters. You got like, oh, you got Vapor, who's that kind of mist that is able to infiltrate the ships. Mm. Okay. And she's she's important you have captain heshno who um or hesho who's the he's the gerbil fox gerbil fox guy, yeah and he's got like a but he's like the king of the gerbils and he's, he's definitely got all of his even he's democratic that's it's like a running joke throughout oh, okay. is that he has to claim that he's democratically elected mm. but he's the king yeah okay but he's got all of his uh subjects or citizens that are also like on the ship w- with him and yeah. together they're just kind of... they're piloting i don't remember too much of which humor i liked and which i didn't but i i do remember that i thought his show was funny and okay. we think that he dies in this book but then he comes back that, then he in comes the back next book. yeah and then we have Mortimer, who's kind of the she also helps to save the day because oh, i forget it's like something about her dual nature mm-hmm but she, so she's she's like the um, alien who's an embryo essentially, where she's kind of a combination between both of her parents. And they oh, it's like they decide the gender later on, or something. No, it's different. It's about not this deciding the gender. It's, it's just deciding if she has the right personality that they want to have. Yeah, there was something unique about that race. I don't remember all the details. Yeah, yeah, but so, and I guess kind of as part of this overall culture is they they hate violence. They all say my my aggressive. You know, like. Mm. their whole thing is to not have any aggression and it's interesting because you find out later that their home world there's no like carnivores right there's no aggressive species and so they evolved as this very non-aggressive species and so they um they're imposing that on the galaxy which is i guess an ultimate good but the way they do that is just either by annihilating everybody that's not going to be non-aggressive or by marooning them because by withholding cytonic travel so anyway mm. kind of interesting background there we also learned that the secret to cytonic travel is the doom slug which is a big right. sanderson reveal there's you know hints dropped throughout the book where she's reading about the fact that like oh these slugs are super poisonous and you find them then reported to the superiority and she's like hold on they're mm. not they're not poisonous like you know doom slug isn't poisonous right so you have this like all these hints that nobody catches on to until the very end when it's revealed that it's yeah i remember that was a that was a fun reveal a good sanderson reveal there's a name of the race of the slugs too they're like tay something yeah what is it starts starts with a t something like that probably not super important but yeah look (laughs) look that up if you're interested 
Yeah, and you also find out that she that that's the reason why Mbot chose Detritus to go visit is because they have this big um, population of those slugs. Mm. And I guess Mbot's uh, core function was to find fungus, right? And then the fungus end up being the food for the slugs. Okay, so that was also so like it all ties together. Yeah. So at the end of the book, Mbot is like disabled and now exists only in the drone form. The mm. ship is destroyed. And then Spencer and Mbot and Doomslug escape into the nowhere, which sets mm-hmm. up Cytonic, beginning of Cytonic. And Cytonic starts like immediately after the events of Starsight. And they're off in kind of this strange... When I was reading Cytonic, I envisioned it a lot of... It felt a lot like a video game to me with like different mm-hmm. kind of weird levels, almost like a like a Jumanji type thing going on. <laughs> or I don't know what you'd call it, but... it. It's definitely a strange setting and uh, another very different setting. So if you were hoping that right. I was going to return back to your human friends from uh, Skyward, again, maybe a little disappointed. Yeah, and this is the part where I ended up bouncing off the series. I remember we had an arc for Cytonic, and I just, I read like the first quarter of it, and I can, I don't know, it, it wasn't it wasn't hitting me um, right. And so I, this is why I bounced off, and then I read Cytonic for the first time. Okay. Just this past month, because I I I was able to listen to it all right, but it was one of those books that I didn't want to um, read for whatever reason. Mm. So um, it was good. And again, this this was like the classic. Oh man, I just spent like had the same problem as Starsight or as Skyward to Starsight, right? Where you have like she has all new friends. She you know like that she's worked a long time to build. She's made all this progress, mm-hmm. and now she's like isolated from all that again. So it's just like okay, like you know what's going on it's pressing the reset button once again right which which anderson notoriously like doesn't like when like tv shows and stuff do that right he's like you can't like you can't press the reset button too many times which granted he doesn't do that for spencer right her character arc is continuous right she's she's continuing to learn and grow and she's Mm -hmm. keeping all the lessons she's not like making the same mistakes but you're situationally resetting her and the fact that she's now still having to like build from the ground up so this is where you're saying uh, maybe the Skyward Flight novellas help kind of fill in the gaps. Right, they might. And I think they do. This. One yeah. of them is Jorgen. One of them is, uh, sorry, from that character perspective, one is mostly Jorgen. One is from another one of her friends. Don't remember which one. It's one of like her female human friends that's a pilot. And I think one of them is Alanique. Maybe nope. I'm, uh, yeah, I think that's true. Not 100%. So obviously I haven't read them. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe we should try to squeeze those in real quick before Defiant. Yeah, that could be good. Right. Does that make sense? Like if if that yeah. does like fill in the gaps there, then great. I'm happy to like reevaluate. And I think that's probably the, a lot of the feedback that he's been getting. Okay. Just want to clear a couple things up here. So first of all, we made a big mistake earlier with Winzik and Kuna. We got those characters mixed up. Kuna is the one who becomes something of a friend to Detritus while Winzik continues to be a big antagonist and really like the biggest bat out there. So that was a pretty big mistake from us. Secondly, unfortunately, there is no bundle of the three Scoured Flight audiobooks together. I guess uh, Audible, Amazon, whatever could not work that out. So if you want to listen to those, you do have to get them all separately or just try to get them individually from your library. I also want to do a quick rundown of a summary of the three books. I went ahead and read through the summaries on Coppermind, and I think there's really like kind of a lot of material there, maybe more than I was thinking. 
And in starting Defiant, that stuff is important. It is summarized at the beginning of the book, but I do think you want to know at least the high-level beats there. Okay, so first one is called Sunreach. This is a FM perspective book. Uh, this one's fairly straightforward, so they figure out a lot of the Tanix powers and they, they get a lot of the slugs, uh, then they're not able to like harness their powers, right? Uh, they defend against a superiority attack from above using a interplanetary shield that they're able to get up kind of just in time. And they rescue Kuna from Sunreach, which is like a research platform that's kind of out there. I don't know all the details there, but basically what you need to know is Kuna is now on board a full uh, member of the team, essentially, and we are powering up Detritus. Book two, Redon. This is an Alanik perspective, and her people, the Erdal, at least, or at least a faction of her people, are considering a peace treaty with the superiority, and it turns out also some of the humans on Detritus are considering a peace treaty with the superiority. The Skyward Flight goes rogue, uh, they do not believe this is going to work out at all, and in fact, it's not going to. The superior superiority has an evil plot. They are able to stop it just in time. However, most of the human political leaders, including Jorgen's parents, are killed in a massive explosion. Uh, Cobb and Grand Grand are saved, but sent off to whereabouts unknown. Last book, Evershore. This is from Jorgen's perspective. Starts right after the events of Redon. So it turns out that Grand Grand and Cobb are off on Evershore, which is the Kitson planet. So Skyward Flight heads over there. They try to make an alliance with Kitson. Uh, in the meantime, Jorgen kind of powers up his Cytonic abilities, learns a few more things that he can do. The superior superiority once again comes in and attacks kind of a theme of all three of these books. These guys uh, cannot stay away. Eventually, we are able to drive them back once again, kind of save the day. And the way that this happens is we basically power up Detritus using the Tanix powers uh, that were hinted at before and using some of uh, what I'm assuming is kind of a gradual buildup of the different platforms around Detritus. The whole planet gets cytonically teleported over towards Evershore, and now the two planets are nearby each other. This causes a tidal wave, which Luckily, we're able to mitigate most of the uh, problems. Evershore is like a fully water planet. But anyway, at the end of the day here, we're able to stave off another superiority attack and forge somewhat of an alliance with the Kitson. Grand Grand and Cobb are saved, and we are just left wondering what's going on with Spensa. All of these books take place during the time that Spensa is out there um, doing her thing during Cytonic. So now that she has come back at the end, I'm assuming Defiant, and I've seen this from just the first chapter of Defiant, kind of deals with the fallout of these books, and I think it is important knowledge to have. I started reading it and I was a little confused, so I decided it was worth it to read the Coppermind summaries at least, which go pretty quickly. They're not long books. So I don't know how to rate these books exactly since I didn't actually read them, but it does sound like they do a lot to mitigate Ben's criticism of, you know, hey, these books, the, the main three, right, are going on with Spensa um, always kind of forming a new cast of friends, and this is jarring. But if you actually read these books, the Skyward Flight books, um, you get a backstory of, you know, the friends that we know and love, what's going on with them. I think probably you get a better Skyward experience if you actually read these. So... I'm going to say you should. 
At this point, I'm into Defiance, so I'm not going to have time to go back and read them, but maybe one day I will circle back. So now, okay, back to the rest of the review. Something else that's carrying over is that Spencer left Mbot behind. She did go back for him, but she left him behind to escape back to to try to, to warn the people that the Delver was coming. And so Mbot feels very betrayed when he gets to nowhere. And he is like, he understands why she did it, but he feels very betrayed. And so this is kind of the start of Mbot having emotions. I mean, he can't have had emotions before, but this is like emotions on steroids. And it's also mm-hmm. kind of weird because when he went to the drone, Mbot, like his processors weren't going as fast. But now when they get to the nowhere, he's able to think like his old self again. And you end up finding out that this is because they're closer to the nowhere, which is, I guess, feeding into the next big reveal, which we can talk about now or we can talk about when we get closer to the end. But no, yeah, let's keep on following this here. So I don't remember exactly what happens here with Mbot. Is there's something about AIs and Delvers and yeah. is the rev- he is a Delver? Is that the thing? Yeah, he is like AIs were Delver. So it was something like whoever the first explorer was, I think it was some like super white name, like Jason Wright or something like that. Like, uh, yeah, I think it was Jason. That sounds right. Yeah. Something Maybe like, that. like a, like a Greek Jason in the Argonaut thing or something. Anyway. Yeah. Jason. Sure. But so he has this, he has this AI. I think he also like lost his wife or something and he goes to the nowhere and the AI Jason ends up dying while like feeding in and this is like i got a little confused it wasn't super clear to me i like went back and re-listened to it too and i still didn't like pick up on all the pieces but basically what ended up happening was that the ai got like the pain of the creator's death without any way to cope with it and the whole time you're seeing mbot trying to cope with his emotions which this original ai couldn't do and so instead of coping with it they like basically create like a loop in their code and like pushed all that away and the primary directive became not to change to like stay stagnant and then Mm. anything that threatens that is to be avoided and to be wiped out and as part of this the ai like made a bunch of copies of itself and so then like the delvers are born and exactly they are a problem they are a problem and they they reside in the nowhere but that's what they can be lured out of the nowhere through like faster than like travel uh, mm-hmm. and faster than like communication through, yeah through the established ways that we know the delvers are exactly yeah 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 and they also the nowhere we find out that the place that spence's at is like the boundary between the nowhere and the somewhere and that you okay. kind of get a mixture of both you have like the individuality of the somewhere that's creeping closer to nowhere which is trying to like eliminate that individuality and the delvers are kind of can kind of impact what goes on there but every time mm. they do they lose some of their individuality which they don't like and they're also this is the place that they harvest like the acclivity stone which is what they use for a lot of the ships and whatnot so you have all these oh, right right that's the yeah. stuff that since the first book has been falling on detritus and they have wars over this stuff. Yeah. So the superiority kind of treats it kind of like, mm. uh, as kind of like a prison, like forced labor camp where they, they just kind of send people in there to mine and to fend for themselves. Find out that there's like three mining colonies. We only ever meet like the one. So 
there's like people that live there. And the background and like running plot of this is Spensa arrives here. She meets up with the Chet dude who's super sus and weird, but we learn that uh, we eventually learn that he is also a Delver. What's his deal? Yeah. So he was or, the Delver that he she... was the Delver that, but there was also a connection to Mbot's like original pilot, right? Yeah. So yeah, Mbot's original pilot because there's a portal in detritus that goes to the nowhere or to this uh, limbo area and when um chet the mbots pilot crashed he went through that portal and ended up trying to get to like the big bright spot of nowhere and as he did that the delvers basically consumed him and Mm. this delver remembered enough of that consumption to like take on his personality and his shape I see. or whatever okay yeah and so the background of all of this is chet and Svensa are like walking this path of the elders right isn't that yeah. what it's called and Svensa is learning more of basically what you just explained as the book goes on but then there's also these mining colonies and pirates that she runs into at some point and there's some conflicts yeah so this throughout. is kind of a cool part she kind of she gets adopted into this pirate clan who had, and I forget what the name of the matriarch of this pirate clan is, but you find out that she's had a plan for years to attack the mining camp, like the superiority camp. And in order to do that, she like staged a rebellion, but two of her sons broke away, but that was all kind of planned out because she wanted to train everybody up in order to have enough skill to go against the superiority so they made these rules where they couldn't actually shoot to kill they were just kind of like shooting to disable and so you had like these pirate colonies fighting against each other but really training unbeknownst to them in order mm. to go um attack the superiority okay that sounds familiar yeah but just, I'm just again I'm scanning classic... the internet here i think that character's name is peg, peg. the pirate leader how yeah. could she not be with a name like that <laughs> right yeah go ahead yeah, so again, classic. It's really compelling, really cool Sanderson plot. In a self-contained sense, again, all these are really cool books, but the cohesiveness just isn't there for me um, because, mm. I don't know, it's just, I'm not trying to be too critical because, like, again, these are the books that Sanderson writes when he's not writing, like, Stormlight book, right, or a, a, a Cosmere book. So I think he deserves to have some fun with them and just kind of explore his imagination. But, so I'm not, I don't want to be too critical. But yeah, again, yeah. it is clear that he's just kind of like doing whatever his imagination wants him to do. I feel like to, to some degree, these books are like his sci-fi practice as he gets more yeah, into like the Cosmere is aging up into sci-fi age, which we saw a bit in Sunlit Man, which is way in the future and is much more sci-fi than fantasy. Not to say that this is going to be the same vibe as future Cosmere books, because this yeah, is still very much young adult. It's dabbling. Yeah, very much yeah. young adult. But I'm encouraged by, like, I think all of the sci-fi plots are cool and unique. And again, like I said, the execution of the battles has been fun throughout. So that's encouraging because it seems like even as he gets into sci-fi, he's going to be able to keep that Sanderson flair to his plots and twists and systems. Yeah, exactly. I I wholeheartedly agree with that. I'm trying to decide if I like the Delvers as AI twist. Because at some level I do, and I think that it like it's like the whole surprising yet inevitable thing that mm-hmm. you know um, that he tries to nail so well. But also it's like okay, 
I don't know. It's AI again, really? It's AI again. Is that, is that yeah. what you're thinking? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But also it's like, so they're just like this, these mindless code loops that just go around and destroy things. It's just like, I feel like Sanderson is so skilled at giving villains, like he can make a good villain. You know what I mean? And it doesn't seem like these are the good, good villains. But mm. so in Cytonic, she also has this reality stone or reality token or whatever that gives reality ashes and it starts off it's her father's like detritus pin ddf pin mm-hmm. and she ends up burying it because she doesn't want it to get stolen and it ends up disappearing she's like oh somebody stole it where did it disappear to him and then classic pulls another fast one on us with the doom slug turns out that that's doom slug that um took that form when they went into the nowhere and she ends up finding it uh in the superiority base camp Okay, that sounds familiar. I remember there was yeah. something going on with the pin. So that was another like little twist that they mm-hmm. had. So they end up having this big battle to fight over like the mining colony. Ends up being a draw because the Del- she finds out that the Delvers are planning to like launch a full scale attack against them. Uh, you, she also like has this like big fight with Hesho, who who you find out survived and is now like the champion of another pirate colony. That's really fun. He can't remember anything from his old life, but he still like sees himself as like this nameless warrior or whatever. Mm. Really fun character. I do remember that, and I enjoyed that as well. I I think a lot of the other characters in this book are pretty forgettable. Besides, Peg was important. You also have like other imaginative characters, kind of like Vapor. He had like they're almost like roots or minerals that grow over the ship. Mm. So that was interesting. I'm trying to think of any if there's any other notable characters that stood out to me. I don't know. I don't remember any. But take us to the kind of the final conflict and where this sets it up for Defiant. Yeah, well, so the final conflict was so she knows that she has to get into the nowhere to escape. Like into like they, I forget what they call it, but it's like this big sun thing in the center of the nowhere that they're trying to get to. Okay. And that's where you travel to when you go into the nowhere, right? That's like what gives you the ability to transport is you go into like this this place and spits you out and that's where the Delvers mm. live. And so she's trying to get there, but the Delvers are like stopping her. There's like shoot, sending out starships to try and stop him. They're stopper. They can't get there. And so Mbot does like a media look where he uh, shields, he like holographically shields them. He like lands, makes them get out of the ship. And then he acts as a distraction and ends up leading all the fighters away as far as we know mbot dies but not really like she's able to she sees like a little light go out of the ship so we think mm. that mbot's still alive okay and then they get, end up getting to the nowhere and end up getting back to detritus her i think hesho goes with her doom slug they all make it back okay and that i think that's like I, there might be some more falling action after that but that's kind of the where the conflicts end and she so she also kind of realizes that she is actually like become enough um to become a weapon yeah kind of becoming like getting enough knowledge where she feels like she's able to the superior okay or not the superior but the delvers so she has progressed far enough in her jedi knight training that now she is the master and feels like she can take on the big bad basically (laughs) and i guess to kind of backfill some information the superiority um has tried to make deals with the delvers and the delvers are like okay we'll go along with this kind of come when you summon us and only and not attack you Mm. and so she's scared about that 
oh jorgen is also like learning his powers he's like training under her grandma right there's a, there's a few flashes to things happening to, yeah. to try to send jorgen's there and then at the end don't they they have a little romantic moment the kiss right i think at the so. very end yeah 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 gotta have that gotta have that <laughs> So yeah, that's you know I think that's I think that's everything. If okay. you know all that, then I think that you're going to be able to go into defiant. Defiant, yeah. Okay, so setting us up for final big climactic conflict. Yeah, no, I feel like that was a pretty good primary. There's a lot of details there that you're able to fill in for me. So okay, yeah. Delvers, Cytonics, aliens, got it. AIs, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, again. I guess I'm realizing that I've officially grown out of YA, like who I'm the intended target for. Cause I'm, I'm realizing yeah. that like, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't want to be too harsh because I'm not the intended audience for this. So this reread made you realize you're no, you're no longer young. <laughs> exactly. This reread of my back going out has made me realize I'm no longer young, but I think I will still be recommending like if there's any 12, 13 or 14 year old, that's like looking for a good book. This is like for sure a, a strong recommend for me. And mm. I would even say, like, I, I had a hard time putting it down at parts. You know, I I listened to it pretty quickly when I started getting back into it. So I guess I enjoyed it. But those criticisms I had, I still stand by all of those. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair review. Okay. So have you started reading The Defiant or no? I have not. I was waiting for you to fill me in. So now that uh, Ben has got me up to speed, uh, we have the arc for Defiant. We'll go through that pretty quickly hopefully and get something out before release although it is coming up it's coming pretty up. fast uh, yeah we should probably like say 20 i think it's the 21st of november and it's going to be released in conjunction with the uh the big sanderson conference dragon still con but yeah we'll uh we'll read through that get something out hopefully this this primer should come out a few days before so if you are excited for the book you know um hopefully this helps yeah, I think this is also what Sanderson's fifth book this year, or is it his sixth? When did when did well, Wax and Wayne four come out? It was last year. That was the was la- that was the last year Dragonsville Con release. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is the fifth book that he's released in 2023. And I know that Chansey is working on another Skyward Flight book. And okay. I, she has she has a ticker that's on his website. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah. When Brandon does his weekly updates, he updates uh, something about Skyward Flight. We, clearly, this is a gap in our knowledge. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. don't crucify us that we don't know the Skyward Flight stuff. But uh, if you are a big fan of the series, you know, feel free to fill us in. You can hop on our Discord. Links for that are in the episode description. Let us know uh, what we missed, what you're excited for, if if you're excited for Skyward or not. Like. I feel like some people enjoy the young adults still, even though, uh, you know, they maybe like us are advancing in age and can no longer be considered young. So uh, kudos to you if you're still a big fan. Yep. All right. Thanks, Steve. Cool. Thanks, Ben. See you later.